Many schools are posturing toward opening while others are moving in the direction of virtual learning. Parallel to this discussion is the creation and development of learning pods or micro schools for families in the United States. Many families recall the difficult transition from traditional school to virtual platforms in March. We hear it often referenced as the school year begins. Working mothers and even fathers have expressed the challenges associated with at-home learning, especially if they have young children. Well, I interviewed with Karen Kennedy this week to discuss work, motherhood, and options for schooling. These options could be in-person, virtual, pods, or micro-schools. Take a listen, and I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at info at takejoyinlearning.com. Karen Kennedy is the Deputy Legislative Director of Lands and Wildlife Programs at the Sierra Club. She is leading the Sierra Club's advocacy on forestry and wildlife issues. She is also co-chair of the Green Group's Budget and Appropriations Working Group. Prior to her time at Sierra Club, Karen served as a regional vote director for the Obama for America campaign, where she organized a city and countywide effort to aid in turning out African-American and Black voters in Columbus, Ohio. Karen works to protect our bedrock environmental laws, especially since she believes the entry into protecting human rights is protecting the environment from harm and degradation. She firmly believes each person has the right to eat, play, pray, and sleep in a healthy and just environment. When Karen isn't working on Capitol Hill, she spends as much time as she can outdoors with her husband, Andrew Lee, and her children, Ava, who's six years old, and James, two years old. Welcome to the Joy of Learning podcast. I am so excited to have Karen Kennedy with us today. And we're really just going to have a conversation about motherhood, work, and also some of the options that we, we are being presented as mothers with young children currently. And so we'll also be able to tie in a little bit of our discussions of sort of where does this go in terms of the work environment and what are some sustainable changes that we will possibly see? So welcome, Karen. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. It's really hot here in DC, but other than that, it's great. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I've been looking, I haven't seen, ooh, it's, it's kind of hot over there in those areas. <laughs> and so, but it seems like you're cool. It seems like you're cool right now, yes? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And then I think it becomes very humid in that area. Is that correct? Yes. Um, almost swampy. We haven't, luckily it's not been too humid, but the temperatures have been pretty high, but we haven't gotten to August yet, which is when it gets. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I can only imagine my hair. <laughs> what would I be doing <laughs> in the midst of that? So, well, I am, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to just speak with us or to speak with um, the Joy of Learning podcast. Cause I, I think there's a lot of mothers that mothers and also, you know, working fathers and families that need to hear um, the voices 
we're here, mm-hmm. our voices. So thank you so much. And I just, I, I, I think we can just go ahead and, and jump right into a few questions that I would like to, to ask you. And so first of all, I, just thinking about COVID-19, when it came on the scene in 2000 or in well, 2020 in March, um, how was that adjustment for you as a working mother? So, um, interesting. I actually was weirdly excited. Um, so I've always had this dream of like working from home and homeschooling my children. Um, I was homeschooled a little bit as a child. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'll get the ability to prove that I can do this. And then reality set in, which was that schools made this massive shift from being in person and us having a routine every day and like after school activities and all these things to now being in the house. And so there were things I hadn't thought about, like mm-hmm. my child eats two snacks a day in addition to breakfast and lunch and then dinner. And then also in, in her school day, it's not just sitting and doing her subjects. She's got art or other specials that are like peppered throughout yes. and two recesses and all these things. And for context, my daughter is uh, six years old. Okay. Um, and then we have a two-year-old who, um, you know, he was in daycare the whole time. And so he was just used to having undivided attention from his teachers and his friends and playing all day long. And so the big shift was just that, you know, understanding like mommy is home working. Mommy's not home to play. Um, and so that was a real adjustment. Um, and then also being okay with like increased screen time. Cause now the five-year-old is on her computer all day mm-hmm. of which she didn't have one before COVID. Yes. <laughs> um, so she's on her computer um, doing schoolwork. And then when her work would be done, she would go on the YouTube and then find every video that I would not want her to watch on YouTube. Um, and so there was just like constant things that we were learning to adjust to. Um, so we tried to keep a schedule, but you know, depending on a day, like, um, if it's a rough day, like yesterday was for me, I'm on calls back to back and I have a really supportive husband, but, uh, he works for himself. And so all of his work is client driven. So in the middle of a pandemic, when you're trying to make sure you don't lose your clients, you know, he's not available. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was rough. I will say that it was rough. Um, I mean, it was a rough experience, period. I mean, everything you're saying resonates with me because I just know those moments where it's like, okay, I'm working from home. I have these things that I have to do. But wait a minute, my son and my daughter, they have these things that they have to do. And so Mm -hmm. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, so just a little bit older. um, But it just felt like I was constantly on the go like from getting meals ready to um, what assignments do you have? Oh, do you have a video conference today? I mean, it was on the go. And I felt like there was no transition time. There was no break time to just rest, right? And so my husband has been super supportive. Like I'm I'm thankful for that too, that he was also working from home for a period of time. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, it started to get real once he returned. (laughs) So (laughs) it got real and it was like, hey, I think so just I I felt like I had to learn like, you know what, you have to let some things go. And so that was one thing for me. Yes, that was actually the lesson. And, you know, so I I would say that I'm one of those folks in the workplace that will pick up the extra project or lead or things like that. 
And I literally had to have a conversation with my um, manager. And I was like, look, I know I handle like a lot and I'm willing to pick up the slack. I was like, I've realized I can't do that. And he was like, I'm actually really glad you said that. And I was like, oh, he's like, I've been trying to tell you that for years, but it took a pandemic for me to realize that it is one, it's okay to let other people lead, but two, it's okay to like, not always be the person that's constantly leaning in, which is hard, especially I feel like when you're um, a working mom, like you feel this like innate intense drive to be like, no, I can do it. And I can outwork some of my single peers or peers without children mm. um, or work at the same level where <laughs> like, there was a moment in March, especially after George Floyd and things like that. I was like, I'm just trying to keep everybody alive. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it was a lot. <laughs> It was a lot. It was so much that was happening and transpiring. Mm -hmm. And then you're just trying to continue to be the person you were before all of these um, right. shifts or all these events came about. And so, mm -hmm. I, no, I, I hear you. It's like we want to be at the forefront, right? And keep, like you said, leaning in. But then there's, we know there's some limits to that. There are. Yeah. And yeah. things things got disrupted. So like, I was ordering groceries before COVID-19 and then now I can't, well, I can now, but in March I couldn't order groceries because everybody was ordering groceries. So then we oh, had wow. to like figure out like which one of us would leave the house to go grab the groceries and then like the whole weird sanitation process to get back in yes. the house. Yes. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> or, um, you know, my husband, the one thing he, he, he was really good at was taking the kids outside. Mm -hmm. So he would kind of scout the fields or things like that, where we could take the kids to go run off some steam, especially the two-year-old. I mean, the amount of energy he has is just amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's our toddlers. <laughs> Those are our toddlers. <laughs> and, and, in, and in addition to that, like the children suffered. So yeah. our six-year-old was mad that she couldn't see her friends, but she couldn't really communicate what was yeah. bothering her. And it was the, abrupt adjustment and the two-year-old was suffering the same way but his way of responding back to it was like i'm gonna regress in my development so oh, he yes. started waking up every two hours he yes. wanted to start nursing again oh wow he, yes. he, he, nope. yeah, yeah so normal <laughs> <laughs> you know he started crying all the time and whining and i'm like wait where did this come from um but you know it, it's something that um, I don't think we anticipated any of that. We, you know, we really thought maybe two weeks, maybe the rest of the school year didn't anticipate where we would be now. Um, yes. And I think that that's why you see that big divide from between some parents and educators around schools reopening and, and what this means and, and how it impacts life at home. Hmm. Yes. I mean, and you even bring up like right now, what it sort of what it looks like. And so I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of skipping ahead a bit, but um, <laughs> it was through it was through you that I learned about there were these other options that were popping up. Mm -hmm. And they're not just popping up in your area, they're popping up across the United States. And so those options that many, which is parent driven, were those micro schools, pandemic pods, um, where parents were developing these groups of five or less students coming together, sort of sharing a bit of the, the burden in regards to schooling. 
And so you brought up a couple mm-hmm. concerns with that, but how has that been for you to see that developing um, over the last few weeks or the last month or so? Yeah, so I would say we I started seeing that we're in the end of July. I wanna say by May, families wow. at school started having these conversations. So we have a very active parent listserv through our um, parent association. And you know, people started talking about solutions. And it started with moms being like, look, if school doesn't reopen, I'm gonna have to quit my job. Um, mm-hmm. And you could just feel the tension in that. And so one of the parents out there like, hey, well, why don't we just collectively get together and create learning pods? Um, and I was like, oh, that's not a bad idea. But then they were like, we'll create the pods based off of neighborhood. And so for yeah. a little bit of context, in some areas, you may go to the school down the street where we are in Washington, DC. My child goes to a public charter school. Um, and even if she went to just a regular public school, we probably would have lotteried into a school outside of the neighborhood. Okay. So because we live far from the rest of the families, wow. my concern was like, well, my child's left out. And what about the other children who are not necessarily within a mile or two of the school? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought about what about the parents who are either socially not engaged because they work all the time? Mm-hmm. What about the children who, um, you know, let's be honest, they're either homeless or um, mm. their parents. The kid is really the one uh, in charge of their education because unfortunately due to whatever's happening in their life, their parents are just not that engaged. Yeah. Um, and so I started to really think through the equities centered yeah. around that. Yes. Um, and trying to highlight it to get folks to think of more inclusive ways of creating these pods if we were gonna do it. Yes, and, and I think that's very important um, to know that, I mean, even here we have education and then we have these underlying issues that are being exposed by COVID-19, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. with that, of course, we're like solutions driven, but we're like, well, we're also, for, I really appreciated hearing from you, like, let's consider all children like, how can we be inclusive or and make sure all of our children are getting the best education possible, even in this gotcha. difficult time? And so I really appreciate it just hearing that come from you. And that has come up. I, I've seen it come up in a couple articles in regards to equitable learning. Um, but we, mm-hmm. what it shows me is our education system, we have quite a ways to go. Even yes. if we do resume to some normal we have we have some gaps that have to be filled a lot of gaps mm-hmm. um to meet the needs of our students and so um I, I feel like a lot of those inequalities and inequities they're being exposed and we see it for what it is right now and it's unfortunate and i think i i totally agree with that and i think also being home for example for me being home with a kindergartner, you know, my perception of kindergarten was what I remember kindergarten to be back in the early 90s. And schooling has become so much more advanced. What's expected of children has become advanced. Like everyone expects their five-year-old to read. I am not from that belief that if you're five, you need to be reading. Mm-hmm. But I do understand being on track to being a reader by third grade. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being home, I realized very quickly, like for as much as, you know, my husband and I both have college degrees and we work these amazing jobs, 
like we had a struggling reader at home and a struggling writer. And, mm-hmm. and if she were in school, her teacher was very diligent about like pulling her to the side because she, she's in a smaller school to be able to really help work through that. When we're home, she lost that. Um, and, and so it kind of fell on me as a parent as I was looking through her lesson plans each week to figure out like, well, what are the learning strategies to help, help really get her wanting to engage on this? Because you give her a math or a science project and she's all in. But when it came to reading and writing, because it was a struggle for her, mm-hmm. she didn't want to do that work. Um, and so even in the formation of these pods, like I was talking with a family that we may pod up with was like, we need to also think about the fact that like, um, we may need like, what does parent involvement look like? Mm -hmm. And then like, if there are areas that we are start seeing our children are not catching onto the curriculum or learning various things, how are we going to supplement that? And especially because parents putting pods together are trying to lessen the load so that they can still educate and work at the same time. So what does that look like and how do we really foster the type of education we would want our children to have? Yes. Um, And so that is where you start seeing like the company you called um, where folks are now looking at hiring teachers and tutors as well to help facilitate those pieces. Yes. And are you considering, you and other family, are you considering bringing in a teacher or a tutor to help facilitate? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, if we don't pot up, I will probably hire a tutor to come a few times a week to help with. Okay. Thanks. Um, If we do pot up, I have presented it to the families um, but I think, you know, it's kind of cost prohibitive, like even for us, um, you know, there are, it's not just, if, if it were, if it was the two-year-old, it'd be 15 to $30 an hour for someone to play with my two-year-old or a series of two-year-olds and we'd all pull our money together. Um, but when we're talking about hiring educated tutors who are either current college students and or professionals, you know, they need to get paid what mm-hmm. they're worth, right? And so I think families are also trying to figure out like, how do I do that? Save money in case. Um, so I don't know what our family is going to do. I know other families have decided to go ahead and hire tutors. I have, I have seen immediate, I think within the last two weeks, I've seen a lot of posts and teachers are asking anywhere between 30 to a hundred dollars an hour yes. to run full day programs for the pod. So um, I don't know how folks are going to make that work. And again, it adds another level of equity yeah. issues. So yeah. the pods where that doesn't happen, um, you know, the kids will be okay. They'll be on track with their schooling, but the pods where that does happen, they get that more focused time similar to where if they were in private school or, or having private tutors. Um, yes. I think our family will probably go with the free option and then hire a tutor to help with supplemental work outside okay. of the pod. Understood. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes when people think of potting up, uh, they believe that it's a little bit simple. Oh, we'll just get together and we'll work it out. There's so many logistics 
whether or not yes. it is the pay, whether or not it is hygiene, safety. There's so many issues. expectations with those who you are mm -hmm. with. There's so much that goes into it. So even parents, as they're trying to navigate it, they need parents or families. They need a lot of support. And so I've heard of schools. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I've heard of different types. There are a couple different types of them, uh, of pods, but I've even heard of school districts forming them too. So that was very interesting to hear. Here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our school is looking at mapping. I'm probably not supposed to say this, but it's okay. Because <laughs> I haven't identified the school. But our school is looking at trying to map out where the families are to help families who may not be um, engaged in the conversations around potting up to give them access. But I think also folks are also trying to navigate that there's some families who are, you know, just as much as they're fearful about sending their child to school are also fearful about potting up as well, because there is some aspect of risk and everyone's definition of social distancing is different. Like yes. my family's version of so who, you know, we we're not out in large groups or things like that, but like we do interact in the public a lot more. And there are some other families who are very strict, like the kids yeah. have not left the house since March. Um, and those are difficult conversations to have as well. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it, it just creates so many, so many conversations. Like it's like, it's like yeah. almost developing a relationship in a way. It is. It is. It's like you're developing relationships that are more personal, right? We used mm -hmm. to have this school building. You drop off, I go my way, you go your <laughs> way. We'll be together during PTA conferences or, or yeah. some, or some uh, recitals. But in this instance, it's like, okay, we're really getting to know one another. Um, mm -hmm. How we engage on a daily basis is very different. And so... No, I, I hear you entirely. <laughs> I hear you. Entirely. <laughs> it's like you're coming into a relationship with others. And yeah. I mean, like in our situation right now, like the two other families, I know them. They're, they're part of my, my daughter's Girl Scout troop, mm -hmm. but we don't really know, know each other. And so we've been doing these like adult meetups where we like go walking and kind of talk and get to know each other more. And it's like this weird little dance and it's fine. Like I'm totally okay with it. Um, <laughs> Um, and, but I also know that some of the pods that have formed, formed as pandemic pods early on. So when people noticed their kids were going to be home, they're like, well, our, our three families live on the same street or two streets over. We'll hang out with each other because our kids are the same age. And now they're just continuing that through the fall. Um, but I also want folks to know that as exclusive as that feels, that it's okay if you're not involved in one. Yes. Uh, yes. But we need to create options for folks so that way their children still don't suffer in the midst of this. Yeah. Because that's the big, the big issue, right? Yes. Okay. Well, welcome. I, we have, well, we're waiting for the connection to be cleared. And you know what? This is incredible to have your husband come and join. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome. Well, we'll wait for the audio to connect. But yeah, there, there's this intimate relationship that is taking place in a way. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I see a lot of positives there where we're really spending time with people, getting to know them too. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely um, something that's great to hear also.
And yeah, people too. relationships, building bonds, that could be a challenge also. And I think I didn't post this in on Facebook, but I posted this in um, one of the family chats that was happening on the listserv. And I was like, look, you guys, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I was like, understand our children are watching us. Mm. They're watching how inclusive we're going to be about this. Mm. They're watching how we engage and determine who pods up with who and why, like what the criteria is. Yeah. I was like, so let's be very intentional that what we're modeling for our children is the type of relationships and world we want them to um, be a part of. Right. Um, because I, I'm really concerned, especially um, the school that my daughter goes to, it's very progressive. Um, and I'm really concerned that in our own self-preservation, that we're kind of losing some of the values we identify with wanting to raise children into the world that we think it could be instead of what it is yes. into what it currently is because of access and privilege and, and things like that. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, wow. That, that's a great point. And the modeling part too, what they see us doing mm -hmm. and how we're doing it. They're watching us. Like that's, that's just such a, a great point. And being intentional because it is easy to preserve yourself and say, okay, we're, we're just sort of, you know, we're, we're making it, okay, I can sustain me and mine, and then we can move on. But instead, <laughs> I mean, it, this is a reality for many people. However, it's mm -hmm. like when you think communally, and we're thinking about our community, right, right. That is what, that's what counts, right, at the end of the day. So I really mm -hmm. think that's something we really have to work toward, communal thinking, instead yes. of me, I'm making it, I'm doing okay, or we have our <laughs> options. I mean, it, yep. well, I, I'm sure you know, I know I'm transitioning a, a little bit, but I'm sure you know that that economic gap or disparity has been widening for many decades um, between those who have and those yes. who not. And so a lot of times we come to that point where there's going to be friction. There's going to be social unrest because of all of this that's taken place. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Communal thinking is really important. So it is. And especially as we come out of this, right? Because the, the way we actually break out of COVID-19 is about communal thinking. Mm -hmm. If everyone wears a mask, if everyone who thinks that they should be tested gets tested, and then if they're positive, instead of hiding that posit being positive and feeling mm -hmm. shameful that you may have gotten COVID, but actually notifying and letting folks know that they also need to quarantine and take care of themselves and then truly quarantining we can create a, a pathway out yeah. um and instead it's kind of gotten into this weird thought of like well i don't have it so i'm not gonna worry about it yep um and if you get it oh well um but again all of this is so interconnected and there's like yeah. such a major lesson in this yes you, yeah. you know be about going back to just like taking care of your neighbor and what that means. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> what does that look like? And everything doesn't have to be politicized. I'm exactly. Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't have to be politicized. Loving your neighbor, depending on your belief, belief system. I mean, loving your neighbor does not, I don't know. I'm sure I do know, but I'm just like, it, it doesn't have to be political. Love it does, and it's amazing because that's like a tenet that goes across so many different beliefs. Whether you, you know, whatever your religion is or isn't, um, or lack of religion, the one thing that is true is like, if you start debating thought or things like that, 
there's this genuine necess- necessity of hum- human nature yes. that says loving your neighbor is the right thing to do. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> I know that wasn't part of what we discussed, but, but let's talk about it. Oh, oh people, loving people. Like, it, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> See, we're, we're going to have a sermon in here today. <laughs> no, I mean, we like to, we, we want to love on people when they meet this criteria, they believe this, mm-hmm. or they act in this way. No, love thy neighbor. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> so, I did. So, one last question that I did have for you. Um, we know we see the dimensions with being at home, being parents, and working from home. And then we also have here are the options for schooling. How can we get more support? Now, where do you think this will lead us ultimately when we think of the workplace? When we think of the home environment and when we think, yeah. I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> and when we think about school and overall society, um, what direction do you see this going in? Um, well, so I have two thoughts on this. Um, I think the article um, about COVID-19 being the death of the working mother, I think that is very true. If, if we are not intentional about the fact that there are working parents, single mothers, single fathers, dual family households, multi-generational households who are carrying the weight of being a caregiver. Um, and, and we must not, I mean, we're talking about children here, but there are also folks who are taking care of elderly parents or nieces and nephews and other, other family situations. If we do not, if we're not intentional about providing the flexibility needed, and then also for schools to provide the necessary tools needed, um, I do think that that gap that we already see between working parents, specifically working mothers, and the rest of the cor- corporate world will widen. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I talk to my girlfriends and it's very clear, like many of us have picked up the burden. It doesn't mean we have great partners or husbands, yes. but we've picked up a large part of the burden and they're able to sit and kind of, you know, go into another room or be a little bit more productive or at least still be seen in a way that, yes. you know, even if offices open back up, but schools are still closed, moms will stay home hmm. and the men will go back to work. And that is such a like stressful thing. And I've, I've had so many conversations with other moms who have said, look, I, you know, it almost doesn't even make sense for me to try and balance this. It's not fair to my child. Mm-hmm. It's also not fair to my job. And I'd rather create the space in the workplace and focus on my child. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just also feel like there's, there's got to be that ability for folks to, to recognize that um, you're losing an immense amount of talent. Yes. Um, earning over lifetime, um, things like that, that um, uh, will be impacted on the optimistic side of where I am is I think that this is the ability for both working moms and dads to really push um, employers to provide the flexibility that's necessary. Um, And what I mean is really a call to men in the workplace to say, hey, you know what? 
dads in the workplace and then men and women who sit in positions of decision making to really put forward policies that aren't necessarily divided by like what what does it mean this dollar amount of a person and what it what, what am i getting from them but like can i still get my return on investment with this person who i've already spent tons of money on in developing them for this role if i give them the flexibility to be able to parent their children or child and work at the same time what and then and then it's a reframing of expectations so yeah. like do we need to be on calls 12 hours a day probably not you know what does success look like in these mm. situations and what is a, an effective work product so for me mm. you know if i'm getting vote recommendations out on time if i'm still talking helping constituents get connected to their members of Congress, if I'm still advising on policy issues, um, even if it's in non-traditional hours, that's considered success. And my manager is great at being like, you know what, you still accomplished what we needed to get done for that week and or you thought ahead and were able to plan around the schedule to get something done. And I think that that's what it means. It's like getting into these relationships with your with your supervisor that uh, where you can have real conversations around Mm -hmm. measures of success and flexibility mm. um and i implore women who are supervisors to think about what is it that you need and then giving that to your um the folks mm -hmm. that you supervise yes that's really important I, I i i'll be transparent and share like before the shutdown was happening and it was clear like we were taking steps toward that it was like hey school's closing right so kids are not coming they're not coming to school and but your children are not allowed to be in the school and so when they presented that that was one of my first questions i i i pretty much asked well what am i supposed to do with my children mm -hmm. and most of the pretty much the average age of the people that i work with maybe it, it probably is toward about 50 so much older mm -hmm. and people looked at me as if it, i felt that i had the look of well figure it out oh no and it was i mean and that was heart-wrenching that was heartbreaking mm -hmm. to be a parent and had the the attitude initially of well it wasn't initially it, it was what it was it was figure it out. And thankfully we had a sitter that was on call, but they were still requiring us to come in. And so it was like, even somewhat altering, like you said, and somewhat altering our expectations, mm -hmm. especially if that work product, Hey, is being completed. I mm -hmm. think that that's something that's really um, important to consider, but that was very difficult. That was very difficult for me. And I was like, wow, to be a parent, to be a mother, there are certain expectations that are put on me. Yeah. So. I and, you know, the, the part that you brought up is some of the things that I've, you know, I've really thought about um, in terms of this conversation with other educators about returning, whether return or not. And I'm like, no one is talking about the educator who is on a Zoom and trying to teach a class. And then their own child is either on a Zoom or popping into the Zoom. Like, I get mortified when my kids pop in, although now they're like the favorites at the office. So people yes. are sad when they don't pop in. But like, how do you teach a lesson while also your children are needing to learn their own lessons? And yes. and that, and I, you know, there's just so many pieces to this puzzle that have to get figured out. And I think, it, I, 
I think corporate employers like Google and Facebook and some of these other folks, um, if you happen to work for a large Fortune 500 or whatever, they should think about like what are ways that we can help facilitate childcare um, for families and what does that look like? Um, mm -hmm. Not that they owe us anything, but I mean, if <laughs> we got to do something. Um, and I think too, there needs to be a little bit of standardization of how schooling happens virtually. Mm -hmm. um, my child was fortunate at her school. It went really smoothly. Every child got a laptop. Every child got access to mm -hmm. uh, Wi-Fi um, because they connected families with um, a provider that provided either free or low cost internet. Wow, that's incredible. That's actually um, good to hear. That didn't happen for a large portion of the city and definitely places across America. Yes. Um, and then in addition to that, um, there were whole systems that failed. I know one county that didn't use Google Classroom, they went with another platform and the platform failed and they just literally didn't do school this spring semester. Um, and they, they've been making it up through summer sessions, but like, it was terrible. Um, and so that's been one of my complaints. It's like, I have no problem with us not going back to school, but um, the way we do it has to be different. And the way we, so there's um, there's a curriculum, it's a Christian homeschool curriculum called Abeka that many mm -hmm. families who choose to do that type of homeschooling do, but their video program, they've been doing it for over 20 years and it's engaging. Yeah. Like I was showing a video of it to my daughter and she's like, mom, if school was like, this would be amazing. The teacher is in a classroom setting and she's interacting and talking to the video as if her kids are in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, especially for the little kids, running it that way is possible. And I saw some of the high school students getting their Google Hangouts and Zooms like that. I think it was harder for people to kind of wrap their head around doing that in early childhood education. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so we ended up with a lot of stagnated, like, videos that the teacher pre-recorded and then uploaded and then we would respond back which was oh, fine oh so okay but it lost that like engagement to really push the child on learning and thinking through and i think that having something where you're actually sitting in the class like it feels like a classroom but your home might be helpful um but i also know that there's no direction each school's left to their own yes yes decision about how to do that yeah. yes and I, I think, honest, it's new and it's still developing, but I think that will come. Um, mm -hmm. My projection is that an education virtual will be a part of education, period. It won't just be brick and mortar. Yeah. There will be virtual, even though that's been popping up, that's been happening over the years, but widespread adoption mm -hmm. hasn't taken place. And so now we're at that point where it's like, I believe it will be acceptable now. So, but how do we do it where it is effective and it is a best practice? Right. That is like what's key. So, yes. And I think, and I think um, now that we've had time to plan, right? Like there, there wasn't just the like shutdown and switch, which gave like no one the ability to plan. Having schools having, matter of fact, this is a note for me to email the head of our school about this. Um, schools having a, back-to-school conversation with parents about like, what the expectation is or what is necessary to help facilitate learning at home. So, hey, yes, we will continue to send out our lesson plans Sunday night from Monday. We mm -hmm. would hope you would read through it. And if you have questions, 
want, you know, ask the teacher questions or, you know, here are a list of like supplemental things that you can start incorporating in. And that was hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. There were times I opened up her learning plans and I was like, so we're not doing any specials this week because mom <laughs> just can't. I like, I can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I feel bad. My husband's a musician, right? And so and I'm like, sorry, we're not, cu we're not cutting into the, the, the music Zoom class today. Like, I just, I do not have the ability to do that. Like, I feel like some type of way because he advocates for music and education in school. So I get it. But at the same time, um, being able to um, go through a, like there was like, we had a folder just on reading and hand, uh, reading, um, supplements and like how to teach your child to read and things like that. And then yes. they popped up webinars and things like that. I, I think that stuff was helpful. What would have been more helpful coming into the conversation is we identify that these are typical problems you may face yes. interacting with a child at section sex grade level. We will provide resources to help you. And then if you need more coaching or more help, your teacher is available to help walk you through that yes. with your child, um, which puts a lot on the provider. I get that. But I think yes. that will help parents not feel like, Ugh. Yes. Where <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. I understand. Uh, and that is everyone, every parent um, that I've spoken to. And uh, when it comes to this decision of virtual or face-to-face, -face, which we are in the midst of, same mm -hmm. thing. They, all they keep thinking about was March, April, May, and June. Horrible. Don't want to experience that again. Right? right? Everything was everywhere. There were five or six or seven different platforms, and I had to figure it out. And so um, with that, I really think that that's going to come down the pipeline. But again, we need some sort of standardization in some yes. shape or form, and that would be more helpful. And so I think that those things are coming. So, and I'm hoping that people will listen. So I do too. <laughs> and I hope we figure out how to help the kids who unfortunately their parents just cannot be present. I like I am I am I am worried that when we do eventually open back up and kids go back to school, whether it's hybrid or full in person, there's gonna be such a gap between the yeah. kids whose parents could halfway focus and the kids whose parents just were not there. Um, and it's a reality in our system. Yes, it is. And you know what? I feel like that's going to be the responsibility of educators um, to address that and say, mm -hmm. okay, here's how we fill those gaps, right? Whenever we're getting ready to take those standardized, those standardized tests, maybe like they're doing right now, it will have mm -hmm. to be waived for a season so that we can assess where our students are and yeah. assess where, hey, these were our most vulnerable students that needed, they need more intervention. Yeah. And to make those considerations. So no, I hear that part. And again, it's in the midst of a pandemic. And I always, <laughs> I like to remind people of that, especially like your expectations have to be adjusted in some shape or form. This is a global, global mm -hmm. event. This is not, hey, everyone has norovirus. No, this is a global, <laughs> this is a global <laughs> pandemic. So I'm hoping um, just bringing it back around to the question, I'm really hoping that society, we adjust our expectations. I, you know, that is so critical. And especially like one of the things I noticed this summer, I was talking with my mother-in-love, who is a also an educator. And so she had 
um, my kids for a few weeks in the summer to give us a break. And she's like, Ava doesn't know this, 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 and this, and this is expected by first grade. And I'm like, she quit school in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, she didn't quit school, but like pretty much quit school. <laughs> like it was, you know, and I was like, I'm, I am confident that the first grade teachers who know who these 60 students coming in are going to be know that like their teachers just were trying to survive. And so it was like, let's continue reviewing what we know and like, let's not add any new content. And unfortunately we'll have to pick that up in first grade. So, you know, does she know all her sight words? No, but like, it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, are they safe? Right. Are they healthy? Those are two very important things. Safe, mm -hmm. healthy, cared for. Can they empathize yep. with others? So, I mean, there's, there's these other things that we refer to as soft skills, which I think are essential skills mm -hmm. like right now. So let's, I mean, it, it requires a shift and thinking and unfortunately yeah. oh i know we, we're just talking <laughs> unfortunately over the years when you pound everything's been pounded in your into your mind like okay testing this standard has to be met this expectation has to be met boom 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 it's hard to really lay off of it and say hey wait a minute this is a life moment we, yep. we need to consider some of the the psychological impact the emotional impact those are more important than the academic impact. We can catch up to the academics, mm -hmm. but can we hug our children who we, yep. that they went, I mean, that they had to just had to separate themselves from their classrooms. Mm -hmm. My daughter, so I'll give you another, <laughs> we are talking. <laughs> so Karen, <laughs> for example, my daughter, they had a bag where they had all her things packed up and those yep. things were packed up from March. And it's been sitting on her desk for the last four to five weeks. And we decided to go through it on Sunday. And she started going through it and she weeped. She just cried. And in that moment, it was like, I, we need to hug, we need to embrace, and I need to let her know it's okay. Yeah. We so. had that same moment in our house um, where, um, I actually had the bag because before we um, the kids went with their grandparents, um, we picked up all the stuff from school and turned the laptop and stuff, but I didn't let her see it. So when she came back, it was sitting on her desk and she opened it up. She didn't cry, but she was excited. Like she was like, mommy, let me show you about this. And this is my friend here. And, and like, you could see in her face, just like how much once she really missed school and like missed her friends and like the stories that she had. Um, um, and it, it's amazing to see like, you know, in reality, like they have a whole separate life outside of the house yeah. that involves them and their academics and the people that they come in contact with. Um, yes. And yes. So it, you know, it's real. And I think there's also gonna be a lot of conversations that need to happen about even when we do reintegrate children back in the school. Mm -hmm. I mean, as things have opened up, it's felt weird as an adult to like re-engage in some parts of normalcy it's going to be hard for a lot of children yep. um, to do that. Like your children are going to go from not hugging their friends, like from hugging their friends to not hugging their friends to trying to figure out like, how do I play at recess or engage in the lunchroom yes. from six feet or with a face shield or whatever on like that is, um, wow. it's going to be an investment. Yes, for sure. 
So although my two year old is completely normalized. Like he's just okay. like, oh, this is reality now. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> those who knew about it, what it was before, that's that's yeah. the hard part. So Karen, yeah. I, I just want to thank you for just taking the time out to speak with me. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I think it was a necessary conversation that was even good for the soul. We needed it. Yes. <laughs> oh, so it was. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out to me. I'm glad to have gotten a chance to really talk, kind of talk through some of my thoughts and, and, and also just like being impacted. But it's been great to talk with someone who's in the space as well. So yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our recent episode. I would love to hear feedback from you. You can send an email to info at takejoyandlearning.com. I look forward to hearing from you.